Amen. Amen. So grab a chair, grab a box. Welcome to Seacoast. I love this, actually. I think the plaza is the perfect place to be on Sunday morning. My name is Pastor Dale. I'm one of the parts of the teaching team here. You know, I appreciate Dom, Dom setting me up with that. that. That's what I call a classic hymn, right? I mean, how great thou art. What an awesome classic hymn. Uh, I don't know if he did it, just knowing that he had an, the old guy preaching today. But uh, anyway, I'll take it. I'm not a classic, but I am old, and I love that hymn. That hymn's actually older than me. Some of you do not believe that, but it's actually true. There were songs written actually before I was born, and that, uh, that goes way back. Welcome to the kids, too. You know, I love having the kids here. Uh, welcome. And, and by the way, if you're watching online, welcome to you. And we would love to invite you only when you're ready and comfortable coming. We'd love to have you come here. We're all, in fact, do you realize Seacoast is the only church I know in America that offers box seating for everyone and no extra charge? I mean, normally you go to the ball game, you get a box seat, right? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if we have beer and dogs with this or not, but maybe next week. Anyway, I'm just kidding, especially about the beer, but maybe the dogs, we'll see. But box seating here at Seacoast on the plaza, uh, what a joy, what a joy. And it's a joy just to see your smiling faces and be able to open the word of God and worship together today in his word. So if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, Psalm 103. And if you have respond.church uh, open, by the way, there also is a copy of the outline. If you want to see the outline that is normally projected, uh, you can see that as well. But we are thrilled that you are with us. I got to pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this psalm written by David. Thank you for the encouragement it was to me, especially the last couple weeks as I've been uh, spending time in it. Thank you for what it's teaching me. I pray that the lessons of this psalm would uh, be transformative in the lives of my friends here and our friends online. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, if you've been around a while, you probably know that Becky and I had the joy of raising three incredible kids. Uh, not perfect kids, but they were pretty good. And in fact, they're still pretty good. And uh, if they're watching online, I'm saying hi to them over there in Sydney, Australia, or Escondido, or Fullerton, California. That's where they're spread out. Oops. But as we were raising those kids, um, there was a strange, rare experience Every once in a while, and if you're a parent, see if you can relate to this, every once in a while, the kids would come up to dad, and especially when they were little, crawl on my lap, or if they were a little bigger, they'd just kind of cuddle up next to dad, and, and they'd say, dad, I love you. I just love you so much. And what's going through my mind when they say that? Parents, answer me. Yeah, so what do you want? And they go, oh, 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 well, now that you brought that up, oh, yeah, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Or Dad, can I have this? Or Dad, can I go here or there? You know, often it's a setup for asking Dad for something. Now, every kid does it. I did it when I was their age. You did it when you were their age. But it, it kind of takes a little bit of the edge off of that uh, sweet moment, doesn't it? And then occasionally there was a rare experience 
That experience was common. The rare experience was this. It goes like this. One of my kids would come up and they'd give me a hug or a, or a kiss on the cheek and they'd say, Dad, I love you. I'd say, okay, so what do you want? And they'd say, Dad, nothing. I just felt like I needed to say that. Now, it was such a rare experience that I get choked up telling the story, okay? And you know why? Because that makes it really, really a sweet experience. Well, now, when Jesus was coaching his disciples and us about how to talk to God, how to pray, Jesus said, begin every prayer by his motto, at least, with this phrase, our what? Do you know the word? Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How blessed is your name. And, and, and that is the way that God wants us to always approach him. And then we come to him with requests. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for blessing. We ask for provisions. We ask for, uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer has a series of requests. But today we're going to look at a very rare moment where one of God's children... Because when you come into a relationship with Christ, you're not just a follower of God. You're not just a disciple of Jesus. You're called a friend, and in fact, you're called his child. His child. Later in Romans, the Apostle Paul even defines it more specifically when he goes from the formal, the more formal word for father to the word for dad. My dad. My God is my dad. I know for many of you, maybe you didn't have a great dad or you had a missing dad or an absent dad or you lost your dad. But let me tell you something. When God says, call me father, he's not talking about like an earthly father. He's talking about a father that has a perfect love for his kids. We're going to look at a psalm, Psalm 103, in which that strange, rare experience happens where David is going to come to God and draw near to God, his father, his spiritual father. And he's just going to say, I'm asking for nothing. This is a psalm in which there's no request for anything. Instead, David does this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself. Hey, soul, just bless God. And forget none of his benefits. That's how it begins in verse 1. In other words, remember, don't forget, but remember his benefits. And what a reason that Ryan, uh, Pastor Ryan, picked this psalm, and I'm thrilled that he did, is because one of the things in our series on refresh, how do we be refreshed, especially in the stormy times, the dark times that we're living in? And let's be honest, we're going through incredibly dark time in our country's history. In fact, you can be anywhere in the world, like Becky and I are when we work with Africa. Just this morning, I was communicating with friends in Tanzania and Kenya and Uganda and trying to give some help to them and communicating, asking them how they're doing. And, and let me tell you something, this pandemic thing is global. It's not just here. And they're really hurting. So when you're going through not only stormy times globally, but dark times nationally especially, how do you get refreshed? How do you find some refreshment? Because I don't know about you, but I feel I need it. Here's how David got it. 
remember and bless your God. Bless your God by remembering, focusing on who he is and what he's done. Let's look at it together. Here's how it begins. Verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name, his perfect name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Stop and just remember all the benefit that God has supplied to you and me. In other words, for a moment this morning, I want to challenge you to act as if there is no social media, there is no news, fake or unfake. There is only a moment for us to remember and focus on who this person called God and our Savior Jesus Christ is and to remember what he has done for us. You're refreshed as you bless the Lord and remember. This concept flows through Scripture. Fourteen times in Deuteronomy, Moses said, remember, 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 as he forced his people during hard times to think back. Nine times Moses said, and do not forget, do not forget. He kept saying that. So the idea is David writes a psalm in which what he does is he remembers. Now, he remembers two different things. Let me give this to you. He remembers first the acts of God. The acts of a God of grace. Remember the acts of a God of grace. And then secondly, remember the attributes of that God of grace. Got it? The acts of God, there are six listed. Only five on this hand. Six. And then there are six, there are six acts of God followed by six major attributes of God. And he says when you focus on that, It'll refresh your soul. It'll be a blessing to God, and it ends up refreshing you in the same way. All right, let's hit it. Let's look verses 3 through 5. I want to just click through these pretty quick, but if you want to write them down, you can. If not, they'll be provided online. Here we go. Number one, he says, forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Let me just read it, and then I'll go back and take them apart heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit or sheol, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Now, in those verses, three through five, I'm gonna spend most of our time this morning. Number one, he forgives. He pardons all your iniquities. You know, the most precious word in that for me is one of the shorter words. What do you think it is? Think about it. Talk to me even. All. Yeah. Because he doesn't say he pardons some of your iniquities. He pardons the worst of your iniquities. He pardons the small stuff, not the big stuff. He says he pardons all your iniquities or sins. All of my sin, past, present, even future that I've not committed yet, are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus Christ went to a cross died on the cross to pay the punishment, receive the punishment for my sins, all of them, and your sins, the sins of the world, rose from the dead to prove that he was the sinless son of God and then is alive today, seated at the right hand of God to intercede for me. So God says, all my sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but take a big, deep breath. We're all socially distanced, so you can do that. That makes me relax because I know that I screw up. 
I still sin. I have attitudes, things I do, things I think. And to think that God has completely forgiven me. Man, that's refreshing. Secondly, it says he heals all your diseases. Now, again, the word all is in there. And you may be thinking, wait a minute, so why is this COVID-19 thing going around if he heals all our diseases? Well, if you go to the book of Romans, we don't have time to dwell there, but if you look at Romans chapter 8, for example, beginning in verse 18 through verse 23, it explains that, that when Christ died for us, he did indeed provide healing for all of our disease and even conquering death itself. But it tells us there that all creation is awaiting its deliverance from this part of what Christ has done or from disease and death. Death is still real. We know that. It's, all, it's, been, it's in the news daily. We're counting the numbers. But here's the promise. Through Christ, we have absolute healing of all disease. Scripture tells us that it will come, not here on this planet now, but when God remakes this planet and restores it, it will be free of all sin and death and disease. Suffering. All of that is going to be wiped out forever and ever. So this period of time is still a period in which we experience this, but know that Christ will and does indeed provide healing for all disease. Number three, he redeems your life from the pit. The word pit could be translated sheol. It's, but notice what he says. When he uses the word redeem, I don't think he's just talking again about your eternal life. In fact, the concept of redemption is to pay a price to set a slave free. So if you've got a, a slave that is, that is free, if you want to free them back in this day of, of time, you could pay a price to set them free. That's what he means when he says he redeems, and not just your soul, but he redeems your life. Man. So I, we have freedom as followers of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6 talks about Christ setting us free in him. That we are free and we still sin because we choose to sin, but we actually, by his spirit who lives in us and by what he did on the cross, we have freedom in Christ. In other words, if you feel trapped in this crappy situation, in this crappy world, guess what? You in Christ can experience freedom. Wow. I'm free. I'm not trapped like I feel sometimes. Number four. And then he says, and he crowns you with loving kindness, verse four crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. This means he rewards us. He doesn't just set us free, forgive us, and set us free. He actually redeems our life, heals our disease, and then he crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. In Christ, we actually have what is referred to as the riches in Christ Jesus that are ours. They're given to us by grace as a gift. We have rewards that we'll experience forever, eternal rewards. Scripture says that these are received by his hesed in Hebrew, or grace, loving kindness, his compassion, tender mercy. We will someday reign with Christ in eternity. Not just slide into the kingdom but we'll actually reign with Christ. Whatever that means, I can't explain to you, but I know one thing, that's refreshing, isn't it? 
Yeah, this is refreshment. Here's two more. Satisfies, I love verse five. Who satisfies your years with good things. He satisfies our years. In the Hebrew, it could actually be translated, he satisfies our mouth. And what it's a reference to is not is our desires, uh, the things that you yearn for, thirst for, hunger for. Uh, they use that as a metaphor, but it means he satisfies your years throughout your life. He provides a sense of satisfaction. Our God doesn't want to just simply forgive and redeem and heal diseases and, and re- give rewards. He gives us a sense of satisfaction. I can, I can be satisfied with my life, even when it's not perfect, even when I'm in pain, I can, I can rest and be satisfied because of what Christ did. Number six, I love this one. He renews you like an eagle. Okay, now my favorite eagle is the bald eagle, okay? Why is that? Okay, I know what you're thinking. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the bald eagle in my family, right? Okay, you can say it. Okay. No, it's because I'm an, I'm an American and it's our national bird too. But I think we chose well. So, so I love to watch a bald eagle. And, and there's actually a, a, even a better eagle. There's, the, there's an African eagle. There's an eagle in Africa, which we've seen in some of the safari parks, that is even greater in terms of its ability to, to fly. But whether it's the African eagle or the American bald eagle, they can fly incredible distances. Now, the reason is this, because they don't just fly, they soar. What's the difference? See, hummingbirds fly. I was watching one yesterday in my backyard. Hummingbirds fly. How many times per minute do they flap their wings? Anybody know the answer? Do you know it? How many? A million a second, it looks like that. And it may be, I don't, tell you the truth, I don't know the answer. So someone can tell me later. Here, here's the answer. Here's the answer. A lot. I mean, it's like constant flapping, right? Okay, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bird that looks like a bee. I mean, it's just flying incredible. Even sparrows constantly pretty much flapping their wings. Most birds have to flap their wings to fly. Eagles don't have to flap their wings hardly at all because they catch, they know how to use their wings to catch the upcurrents of the air and they let the upcurrents of the air lift them up and then they can actually fly and very, very seldom have to ever flap their wings. The American bald eagle can go over 200 miles in a day flapping very little. Okay, soaring at 20, 30 miles per hour. The African eagle can actually stay aloft for days and can travel thousands of miles uh, because they don't have to extend much energy. See, this is what God wants to do. When he says he refreshes my soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, he satisfies us, he renews us. He gives us energy like the eagle, not because we are strong, but because he, by his spirit, he lifts us up. He, sus- he sus- keeps us suspended and lets us soar, lets us glide by his strength. I love that metaphor. Now, some of you are thinking now, but Dale, it's great. I mean, King David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he was the author of many of the Psalms. 
this was his God. This was his experience with God. How do I know this will be my experience with God if I put my trust in Jesus Christ? How do I know that my experience would be like David's experience? And this is the cool part. It's because of the second part of this psalm that David now shifts from talking about the, um, the acts of God that demonstrate his grace to the attributes of God that cause him to do what he does. And when you look at the second part of the psalm, verses 6 through 18, we can't read all of it, but I'll give you the highlights. In verses 6 through 18, read it later on your own. He says, the Lord performs righteous deeds. These are now and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his acts uh, are to his acts to the son of Israel. For the Lord, beginning in verse 8, really, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. And he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. But he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. We'd be in big trouble if he did. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness. Now, let me go back and show you the shift. The shift is from what God was doing to what God, who God is, from, his, from what he does to who he is in his character. And the good news for you and me is this. You're refreshed and remember the attributes of God, the God of grace, because what that tells me is God is this way. For me to be this way, I have to think about it. I have to, by the power of Christ, at least choose that. For God, it flows out of his character. So his actions flow from his attributes. His attributes are unchanging. So that tells me this is not just David's God. This is my God. And my God does all those things because, and here's the list, it flows. He is compassionate. He hurts when you hurt with a desire to help. That's my definition. He hurts when you hurt. Number two, he is gracious. He responds with unconditional love. That's what grace is. It's the undeserved, unconditional love of God. Number three, he is slow to anger. He is patient. He's not a short fuse guy. Man, a lot of times I feel like I have a short fuse. Someone ticks me off. Someone, you know, I, I saw a short fuse guy just the other day. Uh, yesterday, Becky and I were driving down to the beach. And, and, and let me just confess my sin in case this guy is listening. But he was coming, uh, you know, there was a car stopped. And, and the only way to get around was I just needed to carefully go to the right and kind of go past him, right? People do it all the time. Well, there was a bike lane there. So I very slowly, carefully went into the bike lane and went around. Well, guess what? I didn't think that maybe there's a biker coming in the bike lane. So I was at fault, no doubt about it, okay? But as the guy cruised past me, I had no idea what I had done, but when I got out of his way, he blew past on his bike and he wanted to turn around and say hello to me with a unique symbol, which I will not duplicate since this is on video. And he called me an interesting short word that begins with a letter of the alphabet like apple. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say. But, but you know, he screamed at me. 
because he had a short fuse. All it took was one driver to barely get in his way so in his precious bike lane, and he was ready. I mean, I think if, if he could have stopped, we would have had a conflict. That's a short fuse. Sometimes we have short fuses. It says God's not like that. He is slow to anger. He's patient with us. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't do things that would irritate God. Sure, we do. God hates sin, and sometimes we sin, but he's slow to anger. Number four, he abounds in loving kindness, meaning he overflows with grace. This is who he is. Number five, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Now, let me give you a verse in another psalm that goes into more depth on this. Psalm 30, verse 5 says this, that even when we deserve and need to be disciplined by God, because sometimes God will discipline his children out of love, just as we discipline our children out of love, because we care for them, not because we're angry, but because we love them, and they need to learn a, to learn a lesson. Psalm 30, verse 5 says this, listen to it. For God's anger is for a moment, but his favor, his grace is for a lifetime. Weeping or pain may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's a promise. That's a promise I need right now in this day and age. And if I focus on that, I thank God for that. I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, by remembering all he has done, but also remembering who he is, then I get refreshed. And it ends with an emphasis on his grace one more time. The sixth thing is great is his loving kindness. It is without limits. And he actually illustrates it with three quick illustrations. He says, God's grace is as high as the heavens. In other words, you can go as high as you want to go and, you, and God's higher in his grace. God's grace is farther then the east is from the west. Now, how far is east from west? If you start walking, uh, and we living here in California, uh, let's choose to go east. If you go west, you're going to get wet real quick from here in Encinitas. But if you start walking east, how, how long do you walk until you reach the east? Answer? Forever. Because as you walk further east, the horizon just keeps moving, and you never will arrive there. You can walk east or west forever and ever and never arrive. What he's saying by metaphor is that God's grace is bigger than east to west, up or down. It's better than the love of a father and it's from now till eternity. He says it's from everlasting to everlasting, from everlasting in the past to everlasting in the future. God's grace is eternal. Wow. That gives me blessing. So how do we respond? Well, David responds this way. He doesn't ask God for anything, but he, he does say this in verse 19. Listen to it. He says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you, his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you, his hosts, 
who serve him doing his will. And bless the Lord all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What's he saying? He's saying that as we remember the God of grace and all that he's done, as we remember the God of grace and all that he is, get refreshed. But the appropriate response is to say, you know, God, I accept your rule. I'm going to trust you that you will work your plan no matter how bad things look. Doesn't mean that God likes the sinful stuff that's happening in our culture and our world. No, he hates it. But God is still going to, God has a plan that eventually is going to get us where he wants to get us. He's working in the midst of even calamity. Bless him, accept that, accepting his rule. Bless him by obeying his word like the angels. So in the midst of tough times, you know, and God says, don't worry about what other people should be doing, but say, God, tell me what you want me to do and do it. To be honest, when that guy blew past me on that bike and made an interesting gesture toward me and screamed at me at the top of his lungs, I came real close to gesturing back. Hello. But I stopped. I said, I don't think God wants me to do that. Obey his word. Bless him by serving his will. What can I do to help? God, this world is in a mess. I can't fix it, but I can fix it for one person. I can fix it for my neighbor. I can fix it a little bit. I can say, God, what do you want me to actually do to help the situation we're in right now? All of us can do something. All of us can love someone and then bless him with all of your life. So when was the last time you crawled up on the lap of your heavenly father in the midst of tough times and you said, God, guess what? I'm not going to ask you for anything. Maybe it's even take one day this week and say, God, for one day I'm asking for nothing. I'm only going to remember how incredible you are. Father God, teach us the value of Remembering you, praising you, blessing your name, blessing you for who you are, and not even asking for anything. You already know our needs. It's not that it's wrong to ask. We can come back later and do that. But Father, teach us the discipline of remembering and blessing you. Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for giving us this relationship with our Heavenly Father, by your grace, by your sacrifice on the cross, by your good news of your gospel. We love you, we thank you, and we bless you. In Christ's name, amen.